Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Church of Roy, a sports drink original podcast. Warning today's show may include adult language. And here are your hosts, Ryan Wilcox and Steve Ewald. Welcome, everybody, to an emergency breaking recording podcast of the Church of Roy podcast. That was a whole lot of words. Um, obviously, we're a little disjointed today. Everybody is out here doing these reaction pods. Uh, we figured why not get in on it. Um, you know, and I appreciate you if you're listening now that you've, you've chosen to listen to this one as well. I'm your host, as always, Steve Dewald. I am joined not by Brian Wilcox today, but Adrian Bernisich, the man from down under, has is, is decided to spend some time with me on, I don't even know what time it is there. So uh, he's in the future. He's also just learned about this trade. Adrian, how are you doing today? Good morning, Steve. It's 11 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. Um, and the Blazers are tanking. It's official. <laughs> exactly. Um, if, if we, I mean, this, this was the, uh, if we needed a sign, this was the sign. Right. Um, I'm still trying to piece together the, what it means um, and, and what the pieces actually mean for the team going forward. But we are tanking. We are in tank mode. Okay, so before we get too far down the road, in, in case somebody has been living under a rock and does not know the exact moving parts in this trade, um, here's here's what the deal is to my understanding. And correct me if I'm wrong on the second round pick, but the Blazers have sent Norman Powell and Robert Covington to the Clippers. That's what the Blazers are sending out. In return, they are receiving uh, this year's first round pick, 2021 draft pick, Keon Johnson. Um He's already been drafted. Should have worded that a little better. Justice Winslow, who has another year on his contract, about just under $5 million a year. And then Eric Bledsoe, who's you know the big salary in this, about $19 million per year. And they're also getting a 2025 second-round pick that I believe is actually from the Detroit Pistons. So that, uh, that second-round pick is actually a little more attractive, especially if you know the Clippers hang on to Kawhi Leonard, Paul George through that season. You know, the, the Pistons might not have things figured out by 2025 even. So that's the trade package. Obviously, 
not the prettiest thing, especially when you're thinking about Norm, Norman Powell. Like I think, and we're going to get in really get into the Norman Powell thing, part of this. Cause I think that's the, the biggest gripe here is you assumed there was more value there. Really what this does is this gets the blazers below the, the tax line. Um, let's rewind a little bit now that we've gone over the package, I guess, what was the biggest surprise to you when you 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 know you see this Woj tweet and, and like it almost appears like it might be a fake? Like I had to read it a couple times and mm, make sure yeah. it was legit. Um, what was the biggest surprise, or what was your initial reaction to this trade? My initial reaction was, "Where's the rest of this tweet that includes a first round pick?" Mm-hmm. Um, I know the Clippers are, are short on first round picks after the the Paul George trade, but. Um, I, 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 if if we the deal was going to be done with the Clippers, I was hoping for a Terrence Mann um, in return, mm-hmm. a good young player. I think his contract is still under under two million dollars, so it's it wasn't going to hurt as far as the Blazers getting under the tax. But yeah, I, my first reaction was, where's the first round pick, and or why isn't Terrence Mann coming back in the deal? Um, I thought Powell would have gleaned. Uh, would have would have yielded a little bit more than that. Um, we know Covington wasn't going to bring back much, but I mean, with all the talk of Powell potentially going to uh, the Pistons in a in a Jeremy Grant trade or going to the Pelicans and bring back first round picks, uh, that was that I was a little bit disappointed by the return for for Norman. Yeah, I think that's the big rub here. As far as my initial reaction, it, it was one. Yeah, I was expecting a little more draft capital, mainly for the norm part of this. I, I want to get the Robert Covington part out of the way. Like, I think I hinted on, on the last show or, or maybe the show before that. Everything blends together. <laughs> but basically, when that jazz talk kind of disintegrated for a potential landing spot with Robert Covington, it really did seem like the market for him was shrinking. And I really kind of made peace that, hey, this is probably, if you're lucky, a second round pick, uh, if you find the right suitor. So really, I, I think the value for Robert Covington is probably about right for what this team could expect, what a team would willingly give up, especially knowing the position Portland is in heading into this deadline. It's not like they need a big return on Robert Covington because they know he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. So that's about spot on. Like you said, I am a little surprised not seeing with Norm involved the first round pick, which we'll get into a little later. That said, I think Keon Johnson, it very much is the first round pick here. And if you talk about, obviously the the Clippers went and targeted him, made a trade with the Knicks, uh, acquired the rights to Keon Johnson. Um, I think he, I, I think for the function of this, he is the first round pick and first round picks are funny because, you know, the second you put a name next to that asset, it depreciates in value. Uh, I, I crazy driving a new car off the lot is basically what it is. Um, he still has a lot of upside. He's a guy I really liked in the pre-draft process, his offense. Yeah. There's a lot to be desired, but he does a lot of stuff off the ball. And, and you know, as far as what the Blazers kind of need to build around going forward with guys like Nasir Little, Anthony Simons, you needed someone who doesn't need the ball and plays defense. And Keon Johnson does that. Now, does he just stretch the floor? No. I don't know if that part of his game is ever going to come around. And that is going to be an issue. But, you know, he's 21st pick. I mean, what more can you expect? Um, I also think that, you know, Chauncey Billups is at least – 
I mean, you should be very familiar with the scouting department with the Clippers and, and the type of players they like to target. And I'm sure there is an open line of communication between Joe Cronin and Chauncey Billups. And it's not surprising that, you know, they go and target a player like Keon Johnson, who at the time, I mean, the Clippers clearly drafted him thinking he was going to fit into their system. Uh, a lot of what Chauncey Billups does is a lot of the stuff he picked up under Tyron Lue. And, and so I think it makes sense that that's who they went after. Now, Terrence Mann, absolutely, I would have been excited. But I think Terrence Mann is someone that the Clippers really like. I think they have a vision for him. Um, you know, same with Boston, too, there is he's another young player that I think has a lot of upside. Another guy I might like more than Keon Johnson, actually. So I, uh, I think the value is about right, mainly because of that Eric Bledsoe contract and what that means. But let's talk about Norman Powell. Um, really, I, I guess, I don't know. Am I alone here? That I think the biggest disconnect is how can one trade deadline ago, he is one of the most coveted players out there on the market. And now, you know, he's basically in a glorified salary. Dump. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. So, so how are you connecting those dots? And really, I don't know. What, what's the biggest thing that's upset you about, about Norman Powell being in this trade, I guess? Well, I think it's important to note that the two players that have, are leaving Portland today, uh, the last two deals or in, are involved in the last two deals that Neil Olshay executed. Um, so we're really undoing, um, we're undoing some some work that that, that Neil Olshay um, had done. Um, obviously, Portland gave up Gary Trent for Norman Powell. Um, which was what, what wasn't even a year ago, it's 10 months ago. Yeah. Um, and obviously Gary Trent, if you've been keeping an eye on the Raptors lately, has been on fire, been doing really well. Um, it does hurt to see 
the return on, I mean, obviously Justice Winslow, and I'm, I'm actually in the process of putting together a, a column on Justice for tomorrow, but Justice obviously was highly touted out of, out of Duke and um, all, the, all, these, all these rave reviews about him, Keon Johnson, and if, if you haven't read it yet, read Steve's piece on Blazers Edge today, um, giving you a really a good introduction to Keon Johnson. Um, it, it really helped me kind of understand, but uh, it, it is disappointing. But I guess this team is, as I said before, tanking. And in order to tank, you need to lose games. Um, so Norman Powell was not helping the, the, the Blazers lose games. Um, he was help. He, he was he was clearly um, uh, performing well. He was probably the most consistent starter um, on the team throughout the year. So sometimes you, in order to, to make an omelet, you need to you need to, to crack some eggs. So I think, unfortunately, Gary Trent is performing well in Toronto. No doubt, Norman Powell will perform well in Los Angeles. And Portland has Keon Johnson and some players who probably won't be with the team moving forward. Having said that, it is important to know that there are still six days left before the trade deadline. Um, and we don't know whether Winslow and Bledsoe will end up being on the Blazers after Thursday. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm willing to give um, Jerry Cronin the benefit of the doubt. If, if this is the sum total of the Blazers moves before the deadline, then I will be extremely frustrated. Yeah, I I mean I agree with you there. I think it, it is important to put this in perspective. There's six days to go. Um, as far as the Gary Trent stuff goes, and I want to go, I want to touch on one more thing about Norman Powell too that I'll circle back to. But as far as the Gary Trent talk goes, I think there's just like this pain that we carry as Blazers fans when it comes to trade season and, and Gary Trent Jr. and how that you know those lists of assets progress to where we got now and what it's turned into. It's not a pretty thing to look at, but I also think when you're looking at stuff that's accumulated over time that, you know, this was another big trade or a relatively big trade that the Blazers made, especially in terms of salary that didn't involve CJ McCollum. And, and, you know, something that we talked about a lot is, and you've wrote about it as well, is this team had to do something. It had to do something. It couldn't keep all these guards. And I think, we all knew that. We all accepted that. And lo and behold, the Blazers are not keeping all these guards. They traded Norman Powell. The problem is, and I think why there's been this just part of the reaction today, is the guard that got traded was not the guard that we all wanted. Like, we're, we're sitting there and we're all holding the ticket stub that still has C.J. McCollum on it. And, you know, mm. we want to get on a different ride at the amusement park. And that's that. I think that's a, a lot to do with the kind of this – just general, you know, discontent that's bubbled up today after this trade is we're coming to the realization that it very much looks like another deadline is going to pass and CJ McCollum is very much going to be on this team past the deadline. Now I could be wrong. There's six days to go. Um, as far as Norman Powell goes and value goes, and, I, and I'll put a, I'll put a pin in it here. And I know Brian's going to really want to talk about this as well when he gets back on, on our normal show um, is Yes, Norman Powell had a bunch of value last deadline, but mainly that was because he was, you know, a functional role player. You could see him in multiple roles, but the big thing was, is there was no long-term contract commitment for him. 
you had his bird right. So if you really loved him, you could resign him or you could just let it go or you could use it as a trade chip, maybe a sign and trade. Some, there was a lot of flexibility there is what I'm getting at. That's why teams are after him. The second he put pen to paper, which I do think he's on a good deal. Like at the end of that deal, as long as he doesn't, you know, have a, a serious injury or a serious decline somewhere, that's going to be a really good looking deal at the end of that contract. But, you know, the second you put pen to paper there, it changes. That asset changes. And, and really what it is, is you're asking a team to really invest, you know, four years in Norman Powell. And there's not a lot of teams that are going to really dive into four years of a tertiary player at best. Like there, there's not a lot of GMs that are going to be like, put my name on that. That's what I want to have take up this chunk of my cap space. And I have no flexibility here to trade it unless I'm, or not trade it, but really move it around. I mean, you're going to have to make some moves that you maybe don't want to make. So I, I think once he signed that contract, it, it drastically decreases trade value. And again, it's one of those things where we're seeing this team have to kind of get out from under some of the Neil O'Shea type moves. Now, granted, Joe Corona did not make a lot of friends today by, by this trade with a lot of the fan base. Um, this very much felt like a Neil O'Shea trade to me. Um, you have a high upside, very athletic uh, forward that's or forward wing guard that's out of the rotation and Keon Johnson. You have a reclamation project in Justice Winslow and you have a contract you can kind of finagle with non-guaranteed money. I mean, this is a move we've seen Neil O'Shea make a few times. So that's a little concerning. Like everybody was like, oh, I hope Joe Cronin learned from everybody who was around until it's like, oh shit, he learned a whole bunch from Neil O'Shea maybe. And that's what, that's what concerns me here going forward. As far as, you know, what this team can do going forward, I mean, to this deadline, to the end of the season, what type of move would you like to see that could maybe make this move make sense for you? Or, or would kind of redeem this move and put you in a better place of thinking the Blazers are moving in the right direction. So just just to kind of follow up a follow up question on what you were just talking about, do you think if Powell's deal was in the three year twenty million dollar range, it might have yielded a better return? Do do you think if it was a shorter deal, um, around the same money, it might have it might have been a little bit more valuable? Yeah, I, I think I think there's like a there's like a a chart where you have length and salary on one side and the desirability of that trade asset, which you overlap with production, obviously. I would say if if you're talking, you know, the three year eighteen million per year range, that might be a you know, you take one year off that deal. That might be more palatable to some teams. Yeah. If it's a two-year deal, that's definitely more palatable to a lot of teams. And you could probably do, you know, a two-year $40 million deal, so $20 million a year, that maybe more teams are willing to roll the dice on. My whole thing is you're asking a team to invest in four more years uh, of a third option at best. Yeah. And I don't think there's a lot of GMs that really want to hang their hat and roll the dice on something like that. Um, but that's just me. Who knows? Yeah. Um, okay, so so Joe, just to your just to your question about what I'd like to see, um, I guess kind of separate from this trade, obviously, CJ being moved is probably, as you've said, the 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 biggest issue here. Um, CJ needs to be moved 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually wrote a piece uh, a few weeks ago talking about the four guards, Lillard, McCollum, Simons and Powell. Um, I actually kind of concluded that it was Lillard and Powell that should stay. Um, only if you could get a decent enough deal for Simons. Obviously, that's changed a bit with Simons really kind of having a, a meteoric rise over the past few weeks. So it looks as if Lillard and Simons will likely be the, 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 the backcourt moving forward. But I would really like to see um, CJ moved. Having said that, and speaking, if, if CJ is moved and Bledsoe doesn't get moved again before the deadline, my mind, as soon as the trade, five minutes after the trade was announced, was, well, if the Blazers are bad enough and get that top three, top four pick um, and, and need that difference maker, um, who's to say that that top pick combined with an Eric Bledsoe to bring back for a, for a, for a difference maker? That, that was kind of my the initial permutation in my mind. Mm-hmm. Do you do you combine a high pick with an Eric Bledsoe whose contract is non-guaranteed uh, or partially guaranteed for next season? That's going to be enticing for a team um, bringing in that pick and willing to let go of a, a difference maker. I think that that's what I would like to see if mm-hmm. Bledsoe stays on, on the team beyond the deadline. You know, we're on the exact same page. This is something, you know, after processing and kind of getting out my draft book and writing a key on Johnson piece was starting to really think about what the Eric Bledsoe puzzle piece means. And I, I agree with you. I think, I, I think one there, there's a common argument out there that I'm already seeing a little bit and something I, I even entertained for a second. It's like why the Blazers make this move so early. I, I think there was a lot of teams that were going to end up calling the Clippers about Eric Bledsoe. Cause it's, you know, a salary cap, get out of jail free card. So I think the timing is really not too crazy on how early they pulled the trigger on this. They, they want to get in front of the competition. Um, as far as if they keep him past this deadline, I totally agree with you. Like, I, I think suddenly if the goal is to tank, but let's say, you know, the lottery balls don't come up how you like them or you win a few more games down at the end. And now all of a sudden you got the number eight pick. Suddenly that's not, that that doesn't do as much for you. I mean, there's, there's three really good front court players and then there's a little bit of a lull. And then we get into some more, you know, bigger players, front court players. So, you know, you get into that range and suddenly you're talking to a team that, you know, maybe needs a guard. I'll give you an exact team. It's the Indiana Pacers. I I think they're a super interesting team. When you talk about this, Um, you can match up the miles Turner money with the, the Bledsoe money you can get them out of their salary cap situation if they don't already do it at this deadline. Also with them, they're probably going to have their own top pick. So now you're going to hand them two lottery picks potentially by you giving up yours. They have the one they own and maybe they can package that to move up a little further if they don't like where they're at in the draft. I, I really think this is a super interesting thing to watch for this team as far as what they can do with those with that pick if it doesn't land where they want it to now if it does land where they want it to let's say they do get into the top five you still have this trade piece where you can go get a veteran you know it, it might not be the the player we all want but it could be a very impactful player you could package it with something else as well to get that deal done um it's just it, it's i i don't know if Bledsoe gets moved before the deadline but i think he definitely gets moved on draft night if he doesn't mm. like there's just no 
there's no reason to, I mean, or he, it would be just, you know, criminal if they just cut him and, and just stretched the 3.9 million, which would be, <laughs> would be an Olshay type move, but you know, hopefully. hopefully Andrew, Andrew Nicholson says hi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, as far as going into, to the deadline, um, I guess if you had to rank them of the players, we assume might be tradable or, or on the trade block for the Blazers. Um, do you think CJ is more likely to get moved? Do you think it's Yusuf Nurkic? Or are you buying into some of what um, Cronin said in his interview with Mark Medina for NBA.com where, you know, he basically brings up the numbers look really good when Nurkic, McCollum, and CJ are all playing together. So wh- where do you stand? Actually- he didn't actually say that 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 they they're necessarily going to build around those three plays. His response was very 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 well worded. Um, I think CJ is the obvious next domino, mm-hmm. um, but I wouldn't be surprised if a Larry Nance was moved, um, depending on what kind of value he he has as well. Um, but I think. <sighs> CJ's kind of like is similar to Bledsoe, not in the fact that that he's an expi- he's a non guaranteed next year, but he's he's also another player that can be packaged with a pick um, on draft night and moved. Um, but yeah, I, I like I think McCollum is the next one. I mean, look if you believe what Nurkic said to Jason Quick um, last week about him staying with the team and. I, I take that with a grain of salt. I think this move today shows that that Cronin is willing to 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 move on for some some veterans in order to do the tank properly. So while I was disappointed with the return, I'm I'm buoyant with what it means moving forward. Yeah, I, I mean. I think the Blazers did arguably one of the most important things they could do at this trade deadline. And honestly, I'm not as optimistic as some other people thinking that there is going to be another move before the deadline. I really think this might be it. And I know that's not popular, especially today. But um, I I think they did the most important thing is they got worse. Like they they definitely removed any doubt that they were going to be a team vying for the play-in and potentially even hosting a home game in the play. And like, there is a world where that plays out, where this team comes together. I think this team is going to lose a lot of games coming up. Um, and, and I think Norman Powell is a big factor. Of that. I think Robert Covington is a big factor of that. I mean, when you're talking about established veterans on this team now that are going to actually be playing, you have Yusuf Nurkic and, and you have, you know, Anthony Simons and, and CJ McCollum. Um, I well, I guess maybe ben, ben, there is a world where Ben Backlemore maybe gets moved for mm. you know a protected second round pick or or as part of a bigger deal um, for smaller moves. I don't think the big moves coming. Um, so you don't think CJ gets moved before the deadline? My thing is, is like I'm so like I'm over it. I'm over getting my hopes up. Like mm-hmm. it, when it happens, it happens, and I'll you know I'll process it then. But like I I have been playing the game where I think CJ is going to get traded for like four years now, mm-hmm. and and I'm not going to do it. I'm like just not going to put myself mentally there until it happens. Yeah. Um. Especially now that the the Sixers and the Nets are talking about a potential Harden Simon or Simmons swap. So, but but 
so my main point is this team got worse. I think that was the most important thing that they could do because there are three guys in this draft at the top of this draft that without a doubt fit not only helping Damian Lillard in the next two to three years, uh, but also moving forward could be a franchise centerpiece. Um, especially a guy like Paulo Bonchero, who I think helps year one Damian Lillard. And I think he's someone you can build your entire team around. Like, I think he is that, like, I'm going to die on this hill that, like, he is the the absolute number one target of the blitz. Like, everything should be focused on getting to him in this draft. Um, so, looking at this season, let's – I think we've covered the facets of this trade. Um, what are you looking forward to if this roster stays constructed as is going to the end of the year? What are you going to be watching for down the stretch of this season? Like, what what are you looking for? What, what's going to make you watch this Blazers team, I guess I should say? Mm. Well, actually, one more thing that I should have mentioned before is the this trade also highlights the fact that Nasir Little has the uh, starting small forward spot sewn up with Powell gone. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching Anthony Simons lead this team. Um, hopefully, with if McCollum does get moved, he will be the backcourt. Um, I'm looking forward to watching Keon Johnson because honestly, I haven't seen enough of him and I'd like to see what he can do. Um, I, I've always been a fan of justice Winslow um, and he's obviously disappointed, but you know, I, I wouldn't mind him getting extended time because he really hasn't played decent minutes since Miami. I mean, he had a stop in Memphis. He hasn't, he hasn't played in Los Angeles, but I'm looking forward to watching him play if he ends up staying with the team. Um, the Yusuf Nurkic situation becomes interesting, um, given the fact that there aren't that many decent centres uh, hitting for agency this, this, uh, your, for your summer. Um, I'm a little bit worried about how much money he might get, especially with Clutch now in his corner. Um, but it's curious to see how Nurkic plays the rest of the season if he's if he remains in the, on the team. Um, it, it is a blow that Nazir isn't with the team because it, it, he's injured. Because obviously watching he and Simons kind of being be given carte blanche to to perform is going to be great. It's uh, was going to be great. But um, obviously Simons, Johnson, Winslow, um, and, and, and Trendon Watford, yeah. who I think, who I, I, I've been a, again, like draft night last year, like the, the minute after the 60th pick was made, it was like the Blazers have signed Trenton Watford to a two-way side. Okay, whatever. He's probably not going to play. He has been such a revelation. Um, he's been put in really tricky positions and mm-hmm. um, he's swam. Uh, yeah. he, he could have very well sunk, but he's, he, he swam. And um, I've been really enjoying his development and, I just hope he gets converted to a, a regular regular contract. I, I want you might be able to answer this. Can he be converted this season to a regular contract? He can. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And they're gonna. And they're, there's special things that you do with a two way contract player, especially when you convert him, or or if you don't convert him, there's there's ways to sign them to more money than they would get other uh, elsewhere. Like there is an incentive for the team to sign guys at two-way contracts, have them perform well, and then have a little bit of a leg up on the rest of the competition when it comes to right. signing them. So 
I can't remember all the ins and outs, but we're on the same page. Like I was hoping you were going to bring up Trenton Watford, which you did. Uh, I think, and I also just on the Trenton Watford front, I think it's important to note that the player that the Blazers actually drafted, Greg Brown, plays significantly less than, than Trenton Watford. Trenton Watford has earned those minutes. He has climbed up the depth chart. Um, yes, some injuries have cleared the way for him, but he is just – he really looks like an NBA player. Now, do I think he's going to be a great player? Like, uh, I think he – if he's a sixth man or a seventh man or an eighth man even, the Blazers won. I mean, that's what you that's what you use those two-way contracts for. That's exactly what you do. Um, so I'm, I'm in the same boat with you. I'm definitely watching him down the end of the season. I, I want to see what Keon Johnson could do now that he's going to be probably up on an NBA assignment full time. Um, he spent a, he spent a significant amount of time with with the G League this year. Only appeared in seven games, but a lot of bouncing back and forth. And, and really, he should get a lot of opportunity here. Um, I also really am interested to see what they do with Yusuf Nurkic down the stretch. Like you said. Do they just let him play that number one role and make him happy? And hopefully that factors into contract discussions, or do they find a way if they kind of reach, you know, and uh, they get a good feeling and he's going to resign. Do they kind of find a way to get him to ease off and not play as much down the stretch and really secure this? And, and really, obviously I'd be lying if I said the number one thing I'm watching is for this team to play competent basketball for three quarters or three and a half quarters, and then the last part of it just really fall apart and make sure they lose. Um, that that's really what I'm watching for because I I really want the Blazers to get a really good draft pick in this draft. Like there are three players I would be absolutely ecstatic about getting in this draft in, in Jabari, in Bunchero, and Chet Holmgren. Um, I also just really have a soft spot for Johnny Davis, but I can't bring him up because he's another six, four guard. And that would just drive everybody crazy, but in a different world. Can, um, can I ask you a question? If, if, if somehow the Blazers ended up with the fourth pick, would you trade that? Or would you, would you, if, if those three obviously get taken with, with the top three picks and you've got the fourth, do you trade that or do you use it? It kind of depends on what, where everybody else falls. Like it, it, there's the fourth spot is the guard spot for this draft. Like there, there's like a 99% chance. And now granted this could change through the tournament, through the pre-draft process, but I would say there's a 99% chance a guard is going to get drafted with the fourth pick. And most likely it's going to be the best guard in the draft. Now, if you can find a trade partner there, awesome. And maybe they're above you. You know, maybe it's the team who's in the number three slot. Now, I don't know if you pass on a chance to to get, you know, Holmgren, Bunchero, Jabari, but who knows? Yeah. I mean, you got to find the right team. But, yeah, I would try to try trade the fourth pick. I mean, and that's where the Bledsoe contract could potentially come into play, and you could figure something out. Um, I guess that's kind of it. I mean, this is kind of an impromptu show. Um, you know, I, I – I think the main thing I want to hit on though, you know, you've heard my opinion, you've heard Adrian's opinion on the trade. I think there's something gross that kind of goes on uh, when these trades go where people try to tell other people how to fan and, and like be a fan of this team. And really it's like, this is your team. This is your fanhood. This is, this is what you do for entertainment. React accordingly. Like, and no, and there's no wrong way to do it as long as you're doing it respectfully to others. Um, 
the, the fire Joe Cronin crowd need to calm down. Though yeah. that, that 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 I've I've seen a lot of that. Um, it's you need to calm down. Like it's that is the most knee jerk reaction I've seen so far. The dude has made one trade, and he's got six days left. Just mm-hmm. just keep it cool. And I would I would imagine that Joe Cronin had very specific instructions from ownership to make sure they're below the tax line. I mean that. I mean that's just plain simple. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I think just. And if you're sick of this team, nobody's forcing you to be a fan of this team. I, I and like what I say with that is is I think you should absolutely demand more from this team if they're disappointing with you, disappointing you, and you control that through where you spend your money, how you spend your time, where you put your eyeballs, and what you put on your screen. So react accordingly. You do have power here. So you know. Flex it if you need to, because if you're upset and this is not a direction that, that you feel this team should be going in, you know, you have every right w- with the control from, from your wallet, from, like I said, where you put your eyes and what you put on the screen. So, and, and I'm not going to knock you for that. I mean, that's, that's your decision. So um, just remember treat, like I, I tried to be some, like I joke around, but I try to be respectful. And like, if someone is act, clearly actually upset, I back off some of my snarky comments, but like, I guess my, my snarky thing to this, and I tweeted it out before we recorded is, you know, everybody wants to tank until you have to start doing tanking shit. Mm -hmm. And like, that's, that's where we're at. Like this team had to get worse and yeah, could they have gotten more? Absolutely. But you, you can't like, that's such a tough needle to thread. Like, well, you know, we want to build a functional roster completely, but we also want to make sure we lose games. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't you know. If that's yeah. Yep. So you can certainly yeah. probably get a better return, but, and I'm not going to argue that. I think this, I, I think I would assume that you maybe could have gotten a better return here, but I don't know. I'm not in these negotiating rooms and I, I want to, I'm going to give Joe Cronin the benefit of the doubt. I assume he called a lot of teams. And I'm sure he felt them out on what the trade package would look like from Portland and what was available for them. Like, I, I don't think he just woke up, took the first phone call he got from the Clippers and pulled the trigger on this trade. Like, I, I think everybody knew Robert Covington was available. I think a lot of teams in the league knew that either CJ McCollum or Norman Powell were also available. I think the other teams knew that a guard had to go here. So, And, and let's be honest, Covington had to be moved. It would have been absolutely irresponsible if Covington was on this team beyond Thursday. Yep. Yep. That's, that's what I said. I, I, I believe I said it would be a dereliction of, of Joe Cronin's duties if they, uh, if they had Robert Covington on this roster after the trade deadline. So yep. um, the, the Powell thing is a little tough to stomach, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. And hopefully Keon Johnson, you know, gets an opportunity here, gets to play well. I mean, he was a, my, my thing is not only was he super athletic, I mean, set the record for vertical jump at the combine last year, but like he plays really fundamental defense. Like he has a little trouble with screens, which Blazer fans should be accustomed to, but his footwork is great. He doesn't like, like I put in my post, he doesn't waste steps on offense or defense. Everything has a purpose. And like, that's, that's tough to teach. And he's only 19 years old. Like he's got plenty of time to figure out where he fits on offense because defense, I'm not worried about. Like he's going to be fine. And and would you say he's he could be the Blazers' true point of attack defender? Could he be the the guy we've been looking for? for Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I, I, I mean, if he hits, if, if he hits his true potential now, I mean, he's got to do that. I mean, there's a reason he was taken 21st overall and he was also traded in his first year. I mean, there's, he's got some stuff about him that needs work, but he's going to have the opportunity to play through some of those, those struggles here in Portland. Um, you know, take what I, with a grain of salt, because this is the exact archetype of player I really like. Like I loved Isaac Okoro. I love Jacob Evans before that. Like there's players like this that I really like, but I, I think Keon Johnson has something that those, those other two didn't quite have, which is just supreme athleticism. And when you combine that with how he moves his feet and how he plays, you know, up here between the ears, it's, it's impressive. Like, I, I think he just has some obvious flaws in his offense. that has got to get figured out and, and some stuff with the physical play in the NBA, but that's every young player um, on the defensive side. So that's all we got. Adrian, you got anything for us you want to plug before we get out of here? Uh, look, just uh, obviously work on Blazers Edge. Uh, I've got my column coming out tomorrow. I was going to do it on Justice Winslow, but I might I might have to change my my mind. Uh, I, I, <laughs> things are changing by the second, so we'll, we'll see yep. how we go. You got plenty to think about now. That's what I always love about podcasting, man. You, you get talking, you come up with new ideas, man. That's right. So. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Like I said, I know there's a lot of these to listen to. You have a lot of options. There's a lot of great options. We are spoiled in this market for what you get to listen to. I appreciate that you took your time to listen to us. So uh, tune in for our regular show next week. I appreciate everybody. Go Blazers. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like what you've heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod, and be sure to check out our live show on Spotify Greenroom every Saturday, bright and early at 8 a.m. Pacific. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro. Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.